This is Beyond the Blue Wall. I'm your host, Henderson Bloomer. The Reef Residency at CalArts is a collaboration between the School of Critical Studies and the School of Art that supports two recent MFA graduates from each school for a year-long residency. Since the program began in 2015, Reef residents have received a cost-free space at the Reef, a creative collective in downtown Los Angeles, with access to additional exhibition space as well as a $5,000 grant to support their work. Our guests today are two of the 2022 Reef residents, creative writing MFA Simone Zapata and art MFA Fia Benitez. Simone, a poet, printmaker, and educator, and Fia, a research-driven artist and educator, have collaborated closely together during their residency. So the exhibition you both collaborated on is titled Tense Renderings, The Will and Won't of Spatial Logics. Could you talk about what that title means and how it applied to your collaboration together? Reading was a big part of how we started out this project and how we grounded our conversations. And so the way that, you know, we arrived at the title was culling from all of our notes and from these readings and then through conversation sort of you know putting some of that language together and trying to both encapsulate some questions that we were grappling with in this project while still leaving it pretty open-ended for other people to interpret and respond to so it was you know a process of again like sourcing from our notes conversations and readings physically also, you know, kind of putting together that language. Simone cut up and created like a lot of different combinations of all these terms. And so that was like, you know, something that really moved our process forward. And then we put it to a lot of our peer group and people who are familiar with the project and, you know, what we're interested in. And in that process, you know, kind of arrived at the the title and subtitle. You know, tense renderings is both gesturing toward the tension between the referent, you know, the thing that's being rendered and the person doing the rendering or the actual rendition. Tense is is a homonym. So we're also accounting for like the temporality of these of these renditions um, and these depictions. I think we wanted a project title that could honor the contradictions, the dualities that we live in. And our subtitle, The Will and Won't of Spatial Logics, I think for us was a reckoning with the limits of the human imagination and also exploiting the empirical knowledge that conventional maps claim and the objectivity that they claim. I think, you know, the will and won't there are aspects of our lived experiences, there are aspects of the spaces that we occupy that that refuse to be fully represented. And I think it's important to honor that rather than to, you know, than to seek to fully clarify or to fully articulate. And so I think a question for me was, you know, when we release this need or this goal of total representation or, you know, even objective representation, what becomes available to us? For our practices and our work, what kind of knowledge are we able to access when we reject objectivity? I think especially to a big consideration in tense renderings that we were working with was the relationship between ideology and map making and the way that maps produce and reproduce ideology and the way that our ideologies reinforce and reproduce maps. And so 
you know, a lot of the works that we put up in the exhibition are also reckoning with these big ideological claims that our artists are are challenging and and subverting. Yeah, and many of them also like historicizing or kind of tracing an intellectual history or or giving more context to the ideologies that Simone described inform how we conceive of space and how we reproduce those depictions of space as well. Yeah, I think that the title gets towards a clear distinction between what representation does and then some of the actions you're taking to display the artworks. They're not necessarily reifying the idea that it's not making um, the communication part hard. It's just making the capturability of that representation hard. Like that, that's the difference between some of the works it sounds like you're talking about, where it's actually really important in this next phase of the project to talk about the works themselves and to communicate the ideas that went into them, but to push against the easy capture of it. It still takes uh, an engagement with the work, a reading of the materials, and thus participating in the project more fully to to get to the place of what what you want the project to be. I'm thinking specifically of C. Bain's work, where he built a lectern, which is traditionally a symbol of prestige and of intellect and professionalism. He built this lectern out of cardboard. And then during his performance at the opening reception, he demolished it very violently specifically in his work in the others too, there is this reification of the map, but it's also like a challenge to it. And in some cases, a demolition of it. You know, I'm thinking also of Jumana Abbas's work. Jumana Abbas spatialized testimonies of Palestinian fishermen who were fishing off the, the West Bank. And so it was technically a map that she was rendering, but it was also subverting the ideologies of a map because Google and Apple Maps don't recognize Palestine as a territory. And so what does it mean to be reproducing a map even in like a conventional standard, but then like having to operate within those conventional standards and what are the ways that we subvert its logics? Both of those examples speak to difficulties about like the violence of some of these objects about the things that are like speech that is produced from electron being violent and how do you represent that without being violent to the audience as well or with with the fishermen on the west bank how do you share that there is some kind of subjugation happening but utilizing a different economy to share that story that is not necessarily the one that you'll hear captured in the news. So those slight shifts make it so an audience can understand a facet of a violent experience that doesn't make them a victim at the same time. We were talking about the, you know, the dualities and the contradictions that we live in and creating a space to to honor those. And I feel like in, you know, in B. Zhang's work, they were creating a landscape painting of the Chevron refinery in Richmond. And it's an incredibly violent space. And I'm also thinking about, you know, how within that violent representation, the fact that 
these hand-painted, this canvas. It's a very intimate experience, very intentional and caring act to express onto canvas. And so there's a multidimensionality to these works in both what they're depicting and how they're being depicted that are sometimes at odds with each other. And I think that that's a very beautiful aspect of of the works and tense renderings. I think something I noticed was sort of, you know, a, a criticality and how they relate to the material that we're being presented with as an audience. And I think that's really palpable both in the work itself and and how they frame it, you know, in, in their descriptions of the work and the discourse around the exhibition. And so in a way, I think the gesture is to put something forward and like let's consider this together and it, let's also parse through all the problematics of we're dealing with in the realm of representation or um, we're dealing with like an image of violence you know what are the issues that arise with dealing with this material and how can we introduce our own positionality into it or or somehow signal you know the criticality in relationship to to this work i remember this being a question in my creative writing classes at CalArts how to navigate and handle the violence of language without reproducing that violence. And I'm thinking about this specifically as it relates to work that we've read by writers who are working in documentary poetics and who are working with a lot of state-sanctioned documents that are trying to establish identity, belonging, also medical records, that question of how to navigate and deal with the violence of representation without reproducing that violence, I think is something that I'm still thinking about you know, after my work with Tense Renderings and in, in my own work too, because you know my, my writing also incorporates medical documents and very violent x-ray imaging of my aunt's life. If the answer is we cannot grapple with representations of violence without reproducing violence. I wonder what changes in how we relate to that violence. Well, certainly ignoring violence and ignoring its representation doesn't feel like an answer either. So if we have to address it because there are people who suffer from violence, then what do we do to do that? I think, Thea, in your in your projects, uh, your solo work, um, you also deal with some reproductions of icons of some of these co- like larger companies that participate in, in abstracted violence and things like that. And maybe you have a thought that you could share that speaks to what Simone is saying. Something that relates both the project and my solo work is the insufficiency of representational strategies in accounting for the complexity of space and our relationship to it. I think for me, the archive, it's abundant with representation and with elisions and erasure. And so some ways in which I've approached that has been to also resort to writing and to through other, you know, whenever there's elisions or erasures in the archive or the representation of violence, yeah, it it can't be shown again without maybe falling into reproducing it. I think there's still a way to talk about it and there's a way to frame those conversations. And I think it's creating 
intimate settings where these questions can be openly explored and sensitively considered that at least for me, I can, you know, arrive at a place of like knowing how to approach this question responsibly and thoughtfully. But yeah, you know, one of the archives that I was working with has a citrus labeled collection and looking at the legacies of landscape painting and some of these citrus labels and the erasure that happens in terms of labor and the material conditions of that labor in orchards across California and that it's not something that's visible or palpable in in this archive of citrus labels. The depictions of workers were cartoonish and otherwise violent or mocking, and so that was something that I, I knew I didn't want to reproduce, and that nonetheless I was aware of their presence in that archive, and kind of like further investigated through different strategies how to talk about those problematics. Yeah, it sounds like in both instances and also in the case of tense renderings, there is an understanding that the kind of platform or the intention of the project does change the audience's reception to the depiction of violence. Like, for example, in media settings, for the most part, the depiction of violence happens and it's to capture attention and to keep it. But for the projects you're talking about, it's to reveal other parts of the representation that got removed as a part of someone else's intention. With the citrus companies, they are specifically wanting the idyllic or the easy or something to sell the product. And that's not happening when we get back to the representation um, because the artist has altered that image or text or given it a different space to be observed. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think one work that I'm thinking about in intense renderings, the exhibition is Natan Diacon Furtado, you know, is, is making us aware of the relationship between two different geographies. They're working with architectural features of this modernist city, Brasilia, and overlaying them onto maps of oil exploration in Africa. And they want us to think deeply about how the legacies of both of these spaces are intertwined and kind of alerting us to that adjacency and to that relationship by utilizing a source material, then overlaying it with their own stamp making practice. But, you know, through through these like strategies, kind of encouraging viewers to make those connections and to also kind of further explore maybe their relationship to that. Great. Well, I'm, I'm glad that we got to get into the meat of what you're talking about with Tense Renderings, what you're exploring as part of the project. And we're really looking forward to seeing more of that as it transitions to a digital platform. And for some of the concrete parts of the exhibition, could you talk about some of the specific artists' work that were in the exhibition and the, the successes of, of those artworks and their installations? The artists did a phenomenal job, all 14 of them. I feel like I want to name all of them so that <laughs> they're like in this space with us. Um, and then maybe we can talk specifically about some of them. Yeah, go go ahead and uh, roll call. Tense renderings is Jumana Abbas, C. Bain, Amy Chow, Natan Diacon Furtado, Jen DeMello, 
Alexa Durance, Christine Imperial, SJ Kim Rue, Wesley Larios, Julia Sainz Lordui, Sonia Maruka, Amanda Teixeira, Sarah Sophia Yanni, and B Zing. Simo, do you want to talk to maybe some of the decision making or process of putting the physical exhibition together? Yeah. I think one of the most exciting things about working in the reef space was how we could best utilize the different aspects of that space that were unique to the reef building. I'm thinking specifically of SJ Kimru, who wanted to incorporate the windows into their work because some of the things that their piece grappled with was like escape and reverberations and kind of borders and boundaries. And so having the window there in the back of the reef building as part of their installation really informed their work. I'm thinking also of Christine Imperial, whose piece was a very poetic critique of the monument and of infrastructure and of the concretization of identity and using, you know, the pillars of the reef space as a, as a place to install these like large scrolls of text in which the text becomes the monument that is being critiqued. I'm also thinking of Alexa Duran's work where it was a video installation that was based off of her thesis work. It was a, a choreography in a parking lot. And so we were like, well, what elements of the parking lot could we bring into the reef space, which is a very concrete and white walled space And so she had a chair from her thesis that like people would sit in and she used that as the same chair in the exhibition. And, you know, we were thinking about like, how could we adapt the lighting from the parking lot into the reef? And so thinking about the different ways to adapt, not necessarily reproduce, but what of the reef space could we play up to inform and fully realize the artist's work? I think there were also some unexpected aspects of that, like Sarah's work, you know, kind of unexpectedly when we were holding open hours, realizing that, you know, some of the movement that was like incorporated into the work itself just by virtue of being within space where there's like AC. So yeah, there were unexpected aspects of it too. You talk about uh, transitioning artworks to two different spaces. Uh, Tense Renderings now is an online experience or an on an online platform. What's the current state of that? And what have been some of the steps to move uh, the idea of the exhibition from a physical space to a digital one? Right now, we're in the process of building out a website, which will host the documentation of the exhibition and additional materials. Some artists are working directly with the documentation to create new works. And we're also working on a series of conversations that we hope to publish this spring with all participating artists in which we further explore and tease out and with some hindsight reflect on the works in the exhibition. One of the exciting things about transitioning tense renderings into a, a virtual platform will be these conversations that that we'll have, you know, so I think in lieu of getting to physically experience the piece in person as it as it was in the exhibition, 
we're now able to talk with the artists to poeticize their work and learn more about their process um, and learn more about, you know, how their work for tense renderings is, is influencing their current projects or discourse. So in some ways, we're getting kind of a deeper dive into tense renderings that I think we wouldn't have been able to get if we were just doing the physical exhibition. The exhibition was up for a month here in LA over the summer, and we were very lucky to have great visitorship. But I think another exciting possibility for having a digital manifestation of the project is that more people will get to experience it. And that hopefully it'll also be more shareable for the artists themselves and to, you know, continue to see it, the works in conversation with each other just now, you know, in the form of documentation and some, like Simone said, like discourse. Can you tell us about the process of applying to the residency and what the acceptance and transition part to the residency was like? She and I had been friends for a while and had been, you know, shooting the idea back and forth about working together, I think the fact that we came from two separate disciplines, visual art and creative writing, I think that that was very exciting for both of us to be, you know, thinking through a topic and a process together from different vantage points. We had been engaging with writing by authors like Dion Brand and Dory Loeb, W.J.T. Mitchell, Adam Bledsoe, Edward Glissant, And, you know, parsing through these writings that excited the both of us and coming up with responses to them and then responses to each other's responses, finding overlapping inquiries into the contents of these writings, kind of started formulating the basis of our residency through shared inquiry. So it was very text focused at first as part of your dialogue between each other. You were reading the same texts and then writing out how you felt about those texts. And that led to your proposal for the residency, which was what? I think that describes part of the process. I would add to that Simone and I, in our friendship and, you know, kind of collaborations had been seeing each other's thesis works, had been in class with each other. And so the way that we came up with that format was looking into our common interests, then we kind of came up with a syllabus of sorts that then guided our conversations. And then we catered it to the reef application, which wanted to know how we would share out our project with the world. Simone and I had both participated as collaborators in previous reef projects. And so we had some familiarity with like the space itself, with how the residency is structured. And so a lot of that also informed what we knew we wanted to do together. And so at first it was very open-ended. And so because it was very research and sort of conceptually informed, we were very open to doing an exhibition or a series of exhibitions, you know, having a live component, but that could be a screening or a symposium. And we had at that point, I think, a stronger grasp on our shared interests. And then we knew we wanted to involve other people. So obviously that, you know, will inherently like transform the project. And so the first thing that we did and we tasked ourselves with after we got the residency and after we moved in was to together develop an open call. And so in this open call, we, you know, in our continued conversations kind of reframed some of our initial proposals for the residency. And then 
included a bibliography that had some of the texts that Simone shared and basically opened up the project to other people from our CalArts community, but also beyond. And so we got submissions from people all over the world and from a variety of disciplines, whether it was architecture, visual arts, you know, writing. Um, so that was kind of how we got the process started for the residency. We picked the writings that we did and the authors, you know, that we were engaging with, because I think first we started finding overlap in our thesis works and in our practices and finding themes that Fia and I were both concerned with and had further questions about. I think one of the initial questions that we asked each other when we were coming up with the topic of our of our reef residency and the project as a whole was what questions do we still have of our own works that we want to pursue? Where in these questions can we pursue the answers to that together? Yeah, and it really sounds like the reef residency acts as a postdoc of sorts. You you went through a master's program and now have the opportunity to continue the work that you started in your master's. And that's the kind of thing that feels experimental in some ways. Like there aren't that many opportunities to work, continue to work with a research cohort in an arts capacity. Do you feel like when you started doing that, does that ring true? And then when you're starting to invite people in to participate with you, what kind of ethos did you have uh, as you were parsing through the uh, submissions to the open call? I would say that that rings true in terms of of being given. I mean, I'm sure if we'd propose something completely different than maybe what our thesis was, or maybe if it was inspired by a class, you know, perhaps that would have been okay too. But it, you know, both Simone and I really wanted to pursue the questions that we had been left with after a thesis opportunity at CalArts. So I think in that way, it definitely functioned as that. And then obviously being given access to a shared studio space and to an exhibition space in downtown LA for a year, you know, after one graduates, I think serves that purpose. The ethos that we approached selecting participants with, it was very difficult to narrow it down. We got over 80 submissions and we were very excited by all of them especially because at this point we had spent, you know, months talking about the project with each other and some of our close peers and collaborators, but opening it up, at least for me, was very like inspiring and kind of energizing to engage with other practices beyond CalArts as well. And so the ethos was, I think, an interest in, you know, an interdisciplinarity. And so having a group that where we saw a lot of different disciplines represented also very excited by both people who maybe wanted to explore a project further or like proposals for making new work you know that was really exciting as well and then ultimately you know thinking about the strictures of the space and the affordances of it that was you know something that helped us sort of like pare down like oh could this even be possible in a space like the reef with the timeline given with the resources given and in what capacity could we work with this person so yeah, I think those were some of the things that were in mind, but Simone, please jump in. I think, you know, one of the, the scariest things about graduating with an MFA is the question of, of what's next. We want to enter the job market. There's a lot of pressure to create financially, economically stable futures for ourselves. And 
I feel like while I was working on that, it was really important to me to also not lose steam with my own artistic practice and my community in terms of like keeping the ball rolling, like continuing to think through a lot of the questions that I had of my own work and wanting to continue collaborating and staying in touch with our peers was a really big motivation for the Reef residency. It seems like exhibitions are this kind of opportunity to keep conversations going amongst artists and writers. That's the thing that is part of the the project of, of everyone's MFA is to make the work and then share it out with the world. Yeah. And when you were talking about choosing works in progress, that was a really big draw for us was to be choosing projects that weren't in their final completion because of how enriching the workshop and the crit process was and that ability to weigh in on other people's practices and that interdisciplinarity that we thrived in with CalArts. I think we wanted to really prioritize that rather than choosing a work in its in its final stages to exhibit. We had two workshop crit processes leading up to the exhibition. And those were incredibly generative, not only in the development of people's ideas and our thought processes around them, but also like as a way to to physically convene and to be, you know, to remain in dialogue with um, with each other. Part of the application process, fully knowing that people are committing from all over the world and have different, you know, capacities to give energy to this project. But something that we were interested in is what were people's availability and desire to, like Simone said, develop works in progress, but also be in community with each other. And one of the things that we had asked as well was for people to submit texts that are in conversation with their work, that they would connect to like the larger theme of the exhibition. And so I think like commitment to discourse or like a commitment or interest in in participating in a real material way yes, contributing work, but also, you know, being really in conversation, whether it was online or in person with each other, felt really important. And teasing out some of the the ideas that came out of the critiques, and you talk about theme just now for the exhibition, what, what are some of the themes as you both start running these critique sessions with this group of artists? I think for the crit and workshops, it was based on people's availability, like how we came together. Both of them were in person and it we just, you know, basically invited people. Maybe it was like five or six people at a time to present to us what they're thinking through. It could have been that, you know, exactly what they submitted or maybe that done more thinking around the original submission, but basically like presenting to each other where they're at or what the work is. And then to just pose the questions that they had as they're moving forward in the process. And then, yeah, Simone and I just kind of like tease out some of the questions or, you know, play a role of a facilitator in this space. And, you know, like in, in our open call, we're grounding a lot of our questions in the practice of cartography, but then extending some of the questions that come about in critical cartographies or counter mapping and thinking critically about space. What was really fascinating for me is the way that everyone approached it so differently, like their entry point into that. Some people were working with diagrams, maps of the body, and the work ended up being a 30-minute lecture and kind of like the remains of that performance. And 
someone else is putting together like a kind of marketing campaign for space colonization mission and um, had made all the kind of props or merch for it. And other people were really interested in working with the documentation of their thesis. And so at least for me, the approach was to open up that space for conversation and to just invite people to bring in their questions and and open up their process to each other. Yeah, it sounds like what you're describing, what you said, is that you and Simone were both facilitators. Can you talk about that moniker, that, that role, as opposed to something like, say, a curator, organizer, certain labels like this, I think, um, are really important important to figure out for artists who are trying to figure out how to consider themselves in in making exhibitions or making larger projects? For me, what I tried to do was at first, like reflect what I was hearing, the artist working through kind of pull out key themes or deeper considerations that I was finding when I was reviewing their work or talking to them. When someone else is talking through their work, I'm taking notes about what they're saying, because I think sometimes when you're just talking off the top of your head, you're accessing different understandings to your own work and coming to realizations in the moment that can actually be really difficult to channel when you yourself are are trying to articulate it, you know, on, on paper. So I would take a lot of notes when I was talking to our artists and then offer up different questions that related to different points that I saw in their work. With each of the artists that I worked with, I think there were two or three meetings that I had with them before the installation of their work. And so I would provide them with readings that I came across or different pieces of art or movies or shows or uh, even like news reports that I came across that reminded me of their work and I would shoot it their way. When their work was being physicalized, I'd have questions, especially when I was working with writers who were adapting text to installation. I was thinking about what are some points in the pieces that, you know, that you've written that have like a physical component or like, what are some conceptual things that you're grappling with, you know, some abstract things that could be physically represented. I've been thinking about this a lot. And I feel like for me, this process, I feel like has allowed me to play a lot of different roles during create or workshop, maybe, you know, operating in a more facilitator capacity but then of course like there's elements of the project in which Simone and I are you know curating works in the space and and thinking about considerations of how people are navigating the exhibition how it reads you know what's the read when you go one way what's the read when you go another how do like works brush up against and feed into each other once they're spatialized and then organizer and also researcher you know I think at the very beginning of this process Simone and I were in deep research for our own practices for how we wanted to bring a project into completion together and a lot of that just involved again a lot of reading a lot of writing so for me the reef I think has really allowed me to play a lot of different roles within this project and I think someone correct me if I'm wrong but like we both wanted there to be enough space for us to kind of relate to it in all these different capacities, because, you know, as a poet and as a visual artist, we have all these, like, different interests and skill sets. And obviously, the reef gave us the openness to create a project with the, the affordances that, that we kind of decided upon together. 
And uh, I want to ask for for each of you what what is next aside from tense renderings? What are you currently working on or working towards? I mean, something I really loved from working with Fia um, and all of our artists was that dialogue that we had been talking about earlier, and the you know the opportunities to to weigh in on each other's um, artistic process. And I feel like that is something I'm definitely continuing to seek out after tense renderings. And as I transition out of LA, I'm living in Sacramento now. I'm looking for opportunities to engage with artists and collaborate on shared projects. I would love to work with people who aren't exclusively poets um, to continue, you know, sharing different frameworks for how we approach work, for how we understand each other's work. For me, I'm continuing to work on my practice, always excited for the opportunity to show work, to do readings of my work, and continuing to be involved with different publications in an editorial capacity. And this year I started to teach, so I'm also very excited about that. And like Simone said, just looking forward to continuing to you know collaborate and, and be really active in my artistic community and make things happen that way. Simone and Fia, thank you so much for spending your time with us on this conversation. Thank you. This has been wonderful. We want to thank Fia Benitez and Simone Zapata for joining us. Our original theme music was composed and performed by 2020 music alumnus Socks Whitmore. You can learn more about Socks by visiting their website, SocksWhitmore.com. The episode was produced by Greg Hull. For more information about tense renderings as well as Fia and Simone's work, or to learn about the Reef Residency at CalArts, check out our show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time, Beyond the Blue Wall. Beyond the Blue Wall.